Hi, and welcome to the Mountain Collective Podcast. All right, uh, Mayo, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining this uh, episode. It's my uh, pleasure to be here. Yes. Thank you for inviting. How are you uh, doing today? Uh, yeah, nice. Uh, it's almost end of the year, so we try to finish up some uh, projects and hopefully uh, start the new year with uh, some really cool uh, projects that we have lined up. So, yeah. Yeah, sweet man. I uh, I know you uh, from um, from your work, from your like super amazing work. I'm a big fan of of uh, of your uh, stuff. You own a, a super interesting company. It's called uh, Replica, and um, like myself, uh, I used to be a 3D designer, a 3D artist, and and I know how hard it is to to replicate you know your work it's it's to make uh, replication of, of uh, humans and and you do it with your company replica in a really really interesting way so so i really appreciate again the fact that you are on the, on the podcast and um, sharing your uh, thoughts on how you actually you know started your uh, journey uh, from the beginning to where you're at now today Sure, I would love to uh, give you some inside information about uh, how I start my business and what are the challenges I am facing right now. Yeah. So, could you give us like a brief, um, you know, uh, story of um, your journey, where you started, where you study, and how did you actually chose to to go this direction, which is um, quite probably unknown for a lot of people, and uh, it would be interesting to to hear your um, your backstory. Okay, sure. Um, um, if you really want to go back in history, I, I actually I'm born in China, and I moved to the Netherlands when I was seven. And uh, when I moved here, I didn't speak the language, obviously, so I kind of have to uh, adjust to the new place. Uh, and because I couldn't speak the language, I had to find a new hobby. So I started to do a lot of drawing, like figure uh, fish and like drawing superheroes and characters myself and I started to become really good at it and so the transition from drawing to actually doing character was not a big transition for me. Um, I, I study uh, at the HKU uh, in the Netherlands, Hogeschool voor Kunst in Utrecht, um, but I didn't finish it. I, I decided to work uh, very early in my career because I knew that's what I want to achieve. Uh, probably it's uh, another advice I want to give to anyone, but for me, it works better to, to gain more working experience than graduate from school. So I landed up my first job uh, working in the game industry uh, in a small indie studio in, uh, in Delft called the Tram Studios, and they work on the Age of Wonders uh, series. Um, after that, I make a transition to, to work on commercial films but also work uh, again back to the game industry and have a chance to work on the Killzone 3 franchise and also a little bit on the Horizon series. Um, so that's how I get into the, the world of character. Um, but after working so many years, I decided that um, working for someone else is not uh, is uh, what I desire. I feel like I need to develop my own uh, uh, studio. So that's why I, uh, I decided to start my own uh, studio last year, uh, Replica, focusing on characters, because that seems to be uh, one of the hard things to do in, in, in CGI. I mean, we can do beautiful car rendering, beautiful sceneries, 
but creating this human that looks uncan that looks that's crossing the uncanny valley it's uh, something that not a lot of people can say that so that is where basically also the focus of my studio yes i totally agree with you yeah i really Mm -hmm. totally agree with you i mean talking about uh, i have two questions um the first one is how do you you know go from commercial to um to experiments because i believe that after you um you left uh, the hockey i did basically also the same thing i studied at rietveld and i also couldn't finish this for some reason because i was just interested in um in other fields and uh, and trying to be a generalist and so how do you um where did you get inspiration from and um and how did you see the balance between you know looking for interesting work and trying to uh, achieve that but also doing commercials and doing you know basically earning yeah. uh, living out of it yeah i think a lot of people ask me why that why did i jump so many different positions it's i think um i think i see it as part of the journey because to do characters it's uh, it's good to be all around why because um right now i i learn how to do rigging myself like do photorealistic rendering which I all learned from different uh, studios. For example, when I worked for the ambassadors, I had a chance to do a lot, a lot of uh, look development, lighting, and doing shots. So that kind of really helped me to define my cinematography uh, eye. And, and then at Guerrilla, I was more focused on, on the sculpting side and make the character also production ready for rigging. So although it seems all irrelevant, but it seems that everything what I learned so far has kind of prepare myself for the for the studio where I have to uh, you know kind of start myself because I obviously have to train my own uh, artists my own uh, stuff so that comes really in handy when you have such a uh, general uh, knowledge about 3D yeah so it could maybe you know take a little bit longer but then you have a, an overview of what is really needed for um, for each um, for each surface yeah. that you want to touch on a human body yeah and of course, I, I didn't know I would start my studio back then, but it seems that uh, after working so many years uh, for sort of different studios, um, it, it's kind of the uh, most logical step for me to, to, to start my own business and do the thing my own stubborn way. <laughs> I, would say. I, I completely agree with you, man. Like it's... Um... It's a, it's a, it's a good. I mean, if you feel like that, some people don't feel like that, and if you feel like that, you just, you know, you just uh, jump yeah. in and you do it yourself. So, okay, that was question number one from your um, journey. The second one is you mentioned Uncanny Valley. I know what it is. Some people maybe have not visited that place yet. Uh, could you describe like what is that valley that uh, that everyone is talking about, and how did you actually cross it? So the term Uncanny Valley is invented by a uh, robot professor. His name is uh, Masahiro Mori, and he described that when you have a, uh, a character, in this case, when he was trying to build robots, when the robot becomes so lifelike, it doesn't behave like the one. Just for example, when you go to the Madame Tussauds, uh, you see all this sculpture. It looks really realistic, but they are lacking this kind of soul element, right? And the lack of soul, uh, I would say, is give you this creepy feeling and that's what we call the uncanny uncanny valley and you see that a lot in movies when they try to create digital human uh for example when they try try to recreate uh, princess leia in star wars sometimes it just doesn't look so uh well executed i would say 
uh, with all respect with the, to the artists, because I think they did a, a great job uh, in the limited time that they have. But uh, it's but it takes a lot more time to get it right, and that is a, a problem I think that uh, that we try to solve. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting. I mean, I th- I believe that you've done a great job uh, from the work there. I encourage everyone who's listening to visit the uh, Replica website. It's uh, it's great great stuff. I mean, sometimes I don't see the difference between <laughs> between uh, between a human and, and a digital human. So how did you? Th- is it a matter of time that the more you look to? Because basically, eventually, it it um, it. it it comes back to the face, right? Yeah, it, it, I realized throughout the years that a lot of people are paying attention to the eyes and the lips. So when you have a conversation with a person, you do a lot uh, stare at their eyes and, and the lips when they talk. So this should, these are elements that are essential uh, to get it right. You know, it's um, for example the eyes, the the. The, the white part of the eyes, you know, people just make it white, but it's not pure white, you know. If it's off white or a little bit brighter or darker, it, it's, it's, it doesn't match with the, the, the ethnical profile of the person. So you immediately have this disconnect with this character. And the same with the teeth, you know, if you make it too yellow, it looks really unhealthy. When you make it too bleach and white, it looks uh, artificial. So to finding the right balance is a lot of study and looking uh, at references, you know, and and also creating this kind of photographical library in my uh, head that helped me to find the right balance quicker than other people. Yeah, because so. I, f- I feel like, um, like let's say, as you said before, you mentioned like a, like a realistic photography, um, photographic um, image of a, of a CGI car is a, is a very different image than a face because humans are so untra- uh, so trained to to understand what to recognize what a face is because we were born and the first thing we were saw is our mother's face and our father's face so it was the first thing that we know what it is so it's very hard to to achieve that level of understanding what a, what a real face is indeed and uh, because we're so trained to recognize anything that's off and often you cannot pinpoint exactly what it is you know it's wrong but you don't know what's uh, what's uh, causing the problem and and also what we try to do with the replica is uh, we often have to create new faces that doesn't exist and i know these are a lot of like research these days with nvidia that can generate uh, faces using gan um, but we, we try to do the same thing with 3d and um, uh, and having some mixing different people into one single person is kind of hard i would say that is uh, the hard thing to do but i think we kind of uh, yeah getting close there yeah. so okay so that's that's about the surface how about the uh, the inner um, let's say the inner feelings do you have a sort of a workflow um, that you can start at some point animate that that achieved let's say a, um, a realistic face because uh, now now you want to animate and if you animate that in a um, in a in a less realistic way that become a robotic way let's say that becomes also a problem so how do you like solve that challenge because that's probably like the next <laughs> thing that you want to yeah, take yeah. care of yeah so the, then we have to reach out a little bit to psychology uh, there's a professor called paul Ekman, and he was not the first but he was he wrote a book that kind of like um, identify how many expression a human has and in order to, to achieve, uh, so we use that uh, database called FACTS, which stands for Facial Action 
coding system. And it's a set of expression around maybe hundreds or more uh, that kind of define all your emotion and uh, expression that you can pull off as a human face. And we use that as a guideline to build our, we call facial rigs, which is basically like a control, a way to control the, the, this virtual human in a way that we can naturally create speech and emotion and to, to convey the emotion yeah, in the animation uh, world. So that's our actually our method. Uh, but that's of course just one part of it. And, and there's many small things that we add on top to add more realism. For example, we make the lips stick together when you talk. If you don't do that, the lips just look like a Pinocchio, clap, 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 clap. Uh, and also the eyes, you know, it's uh, when the eyes shut, it's not just a linear, um, okay. how do you say it? Mm, it doesn't shut down like in a linear way, like a so curtain. It's it actually arc, yeah. It's easy in, it's also arc around the eyeball. So, and also there's some kind of delay caused by the muscles. When you activate the muscle, it's not like on and off, right? That is robotic. It actually has some really, when you close your eyes, they're still like very small micro movements that close down the eye a little bit more after you, you finish. So these are the things that we kind of like study uh, and it's go really deep and it's very interesting. Yeah. So so basically detail and that probably takes a lot of time. Yeah, huh? yeah. I can write a book about it so <laughs> I can feel... Uh, like another two hours talking about that, but yeah, let's yeah. keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm super interested in that because once you are, you know, trying to replicate a sort of, you know, a human. I mean, you are talking about so many things. It's not only the face. It's 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 also how the 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 muscles are actually moving behind the face and on the body. Because I've seen some other maybe shortcuts, um, which I'm I'm really curious about your. Um, your opinion about that, about the shortcuts. There are some machines um, that can uh, scan your behavior and scan your face and um, and try to, you know, basically f- f- making, a, making a video out of that, but then in a sort of vo- vo- um, volumetrical way or um, or drive the, the facial, the face with, with those um, values. Do you, do you use that or do you think that it's, that, that that's a sort of you know a shortcut that is um, that is on that is only good for short-term uh, relationship. So uh, so the traditional way of doing facial capture performance is using a helmet where you have a uh, camera uh, that's kind of filming the actor face and performing the uh, the, the, the performance, and then uh, that's how the you usually do. Um, but I found out that it only capture like maybe. 50% of all the motion, you know, some of them are not captured or completely ignored. So that's why we, uh, the photometric capturing process using, I call the 4D uh, capture comes in handy. And 4D is basically a photometric video. This means we are, instead of capturing a picture, we're capturing a 3D model of your face. And we do it at a really high speed, like 60 uh, scans, 3D models per second. So imagine if you, what you can do with that. And that's exactly what Disney and also what they did for, uh, for the, the Thanos uh, character in, the, in Avenger. Um, they, be, they create a 3D scan uh, from um, the actor and retarget that into a new character. So it inherits all the properties, all the subtleties of that uh, real person and morph him into another person. 
And that's really interesting because normally you are spending so much time building a facial rig, try to match the performance, try to match all the subtleties. So you, uh, but right now with this 4D capture, you have it all in one capture. So you do the modeling and the animation in one go. So that's really powerful. And indeed, it is a shortcut, but it is a shortcut can, that have pushing, uh, allow us to do the uncanny fairy, skipping a little bit uncanny fairy. Yeah. So as I understand in a short uh, sentence, it is the shortcut is helpful in this case. Yeah, obviously it would take you months to get it right. So mm -hmm. now you actually can spend more time on our direction. Yeah, because I've done uh, together with the, with the team, I've done also some, some scanning. And um, the first scan you make, I mean, it, it was only like um, a still build of one object. And um, I mean, you get the scan, of course, you get everything. But then after that, you want to make it, uh, you want to clean it up, right? And that was that was a whole different process. It was a it was a different valley. <laughs> so so I mean, I understand that it could be a shortcut. But after that, you know, there are so many other things that you need to take care of, right? Yeah, a lot of people think that, oh, when you take a picture, you assume that you're done, right? Same with 3D scanning. When you 3D scan someone, you're done. But that's not the case uh, because uh, 3D scan only gives you a raw estimate of what the real person is. You know, there's still things like the surface of the skin that needs to be recreated. Uh, the, you know, there's a hair that you have to remove because we cannot 3D scan hair, short or long hair. Both are impossible. You can capture it, but it looks uh, a bit like a gooey, melted chocolate. <laughs> and that is something <laughs> that you don't want. Uh, and uh, maybe it works for some games where you don't expose the hair. But usually we end up recreating the hair, which we call grooming, the grooming process. Uh, adding eyelashes, eyebrows is uh, also part of our daily work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, like also, any face has like very small hairs, right? Like that, no one actually sees. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. good that you bring this up because you you don't see that because it's very computational to calculate the hair. But where if you don't add it, the the face look really shiny, like a plastic uh, face. And those tiny hairs, it's kind of breaking up the the wetness of your face, and also create this really nice soft. Um, blurry uh, outlines on two of your face, which also helps to uh, integrate, uh, you know, and make it believable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how, okay, so now we're talking about the traditional, I mean, it's not traditional, it's very innovative, of course, but it's it still uh, runs on um, a rendering process to make the eventually the image or the video. To take that to the next level, making this, uh, this capture render in, in real time uh, but also on a high frame rate but also on a high-res high um, you know uh, screen how did you how do you see the the jump from traditional way of rendering um, you know like a HD uh, image or video to mm -hmm. real time which is a big you know topic that have been around since the what is it now two years like really on every uh, every every 3d yeah. uh, company <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's this is really nice, a good question. Uh, I think Epic Games is uh, leading in this field, and uh, they providing the, the industry with tools like uh, Unreal Engine that allow us to actually kind of get our offline rendering, which we're doing in Maya and Arnold, uh, ported to directly into uh, in Unreal. 
And as I said, the hair was always a problematic. It always looks very game style. But with the latest uh, Unreal uh, version, we can actually render hair as the way we were doing in other software. And to give you an idea, we, it takes maybe 15 minutes to calculate one frame in using the CPU. But now with the powerful GPU, we can do it uh, almost in real time, the same head. So that is, um, I think, definitely the direction the, that we are heading towards now. Yeah. And you're talking about the uh, the real latest uh, Unreal Engine, which is like, what is it, like two days ago or three days ago? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So coming back to the, to the shortcut uh, idea, technology and, and innovation really gives us a lot of... Um, I wouldn't say freedom, but I would say more, more like workflow to to play with with uh, with ideas and play. So it is very good for us, huh? Yeah, I, I, one thing I'm really I was trying to achieve in my company is actually getting more, more uh, digital human uh, in the real in our real life. You know, because uh, you see you don't see a lot of robots or virtual human in use in in any. Because it's very hard to do it it's not scalable but also it looks really uncanny so but i just start to see more like a tech company like facebook uh, and magic leap start to experimenting with like virtual human virtual assistants uh, that can really be something i do believe that this this could be the future for, for us you know uh, yeah that's something i yeah yeah i agree with that i mean so what um so let's say now we have a, uh, a virtual assistant and it looks happy realistic and it's indistinguishable from um, from a real human being um, what are the next steps of the future that you think that will happen after after having such assets in our lives so uh, indeed there's two I mean, AI was one of the big buzzwords of 2019, and still is. Uh, I think with the com- with more advancement in AI and machine learning, plus the, the development of 5G, it's not hard to imagine that you can actually uh, run a, uh, you can have a very realistic human in the future uh, that can be uh, uh, kind of streamed from a really high-end server. So that take away the necessary uh, that you have a need to need a high end PC to run a virtual human in real time. So I see if this is going that direction, it's not hard to imagine that a lot of jobs will be lost in the future. Because imagine if you have like a virtual assistant can talk and look like the real one. You know, why do we still need so many people working in in a reception or working as a clerk or answering uh, phones? You know. Which is um, not a, which is not one of the best uh, jobs to have, right? <laughs> I mean, it's good that it's disappearing. Yeah, it's, I, I feel. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's um, some people are afraid of that, but then at the same time, if I look at back at the history when we are looking in the, in the industrial revolution, you know, we start to shifting from from making products like uh, we actually start more shifting towards service, right? I think the same thing we're going on with our current uh, society. We're more shifting toward more like a tech or uh, driven uh, society, and where maybe maybe we don't even, you know. My my thinking is that maybe the using the tech what we're developing right now, the uh, we the companies are creating so much uh, profits that they I, I wish they can put that profit back into the society, which means that. Maybe we don't need so many people doing boring jobs, you know. 
and allow people to actually do all stuff. Uh, maybe that's possible with uh, universal basic income. You know, that's that's these are the things that I'm really really hoping uh, that we are moving shifting toward that uh, uh, direction. Yeah. yeah, I love the fact that um, you know coming from an artistic you know point of view, eventually really helping actually society to to become more focused on human needs and what what a human can do i cannot do i mean i live in amsterdam i go to a supermarket like um, often and i see on the left side you see like five six machines that you can you know self um, buy yeah. uh, whatever yeah. you want and on the right you see yeah. one person behind the yeah, checkouts beha- exactly and I'm, i'm thinking so that person is looking to those machines like the whole day And I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not being in him, you know, or her position. But, uh, but I think it's quite clear that it's better to, to, you know, sustain our lives in a in a better environment and be more, maybe connected to nature, maybe yeah. connected to it, it, each other. Yeah, I I absolutely agree, and I think a lot of people are spending uh, too much time on the job that they don't like, and because they're forced to work. Because for the paycheck, the daily paycheck to afford the the rent and the, the housing and everything, but imagine if you don't have to work for for your house, you can just do whatever you want. You know, imagine what you can maybe spend time on your own business or maybe helping the world a better place. You may maybe work a little bit on sustainability. You know, everything is more. You have, you know, everything like you know what's the biggest problem with uh, why why countries like Africa is not really advancing because. They, they are still struggling, you know, the daily lives. They are so poor. How can you imagine the people from Africa or uh, third world country think about sustainability or the environment, right? Because they're the first need for them is to kind of fill the stomach or having a nice, uh, you know, if we somehow make people in a better uh, place, they will think about the other things like the environment and improving the world. But right now uh, it, it's, It's more surviving than really, uh, uh, yeah. I think that could be one big uh, change if we can make sure that everyone can do whatever they want and not working for the money. Yeah. I love that, man. I really love that. I love that, um, and I would love also to, you know, keep it on that positive note. Uh, I will switch to <laughs> some uh, some very silly questions, <laughs> and I hope uh, you can answer them to yeah. the best of your ability. It's not such, such a thing. <laughs> okay, All I right, don't think so... that's a silly question, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, what is the first thing that you do when you wake up? Um, I, I I didn't hear you quite well. I think you say what I do when I wake up. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up? Check my email. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I developed the habit of waking up very early over the years. So I wake up like five six o'clock every day. And, uh, and and do actually my my planning ahead of the day and uh, so i don't wake up uh, late uh, because i just um, there's so many things you need to think about and uh, it's best to wake up early and pre- and prepare my coffee and uh, check all my emails <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah i i'm uh, i relate to that as well i try i used to be um, i used to stay up la- late nights And uh, I thought it was, you know, for a creative person, that's the, you know, the space at, you know, one or two, and you're still, you know, like doing your work and you're know, sculpting something. It always feels very good, right? But I found that the same thing could happen in the morning. 
Yeah, I because no one's uh, call you in the morning. You know, there's no meeting in the morning at that early stage. You know, you can also do your gym or you can have a walk, uh, go jogging, and uh, it's really really nice time to, to be uh, awake. And then when you're done, you know, you already feel like you achieved something. You've done your your uh, exercise uh, and you prepare already for the rest of the day. You're yeah, I really yeah, like you. It. You feel like uh, you are already like a few steps ahead. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so hot or cold? <laughs> what? What in I general. like? <laughs> yeah, in general. I, I prefer hot than cold. Uh, I know I'm not in the right uh, country. That's why <laughs> I, uh, I had a chance to uh, work abroad in, uh, in Dubai. It was uh, the, the desert. It was like 40 degrees uh, Celsius. In, 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 in general so so I, yeah I prefer I prefer hot yeah <laughs> interesting uh, salad or burger uh, both uh, but uh, option tight I would say uh, <laughs> I mean I, I crave a burger when I uh, when I have too, have too much I don't think there, there should be a rule I think you should listen to your body like you know if you feel like eating burger you eat burger and then you know you're not just eating one you know side i just kind of mix it up <laughs> exactly i like that answer it's uh it's almost like in the middle yeah uh if finding the balance <laughs> exactly if you could uh, make or remake any movie and star in it what would that be um uh, like you mean like a, a future star that's uh, that has uh, uh, it does not exist anymore? You mean like that? Or um, like a Mission Impossible, you know, or any you know any other movie? I it's, it's strange to, that you ask. Uh, it's a good question because I'm uh, the reason why I'm working on this food is also because I was very inspired by a movie called Jurassic Park. Was the first movie I saw in the cinema as a young kid, and that had kind of indirectly also affects how I that I want to enter this field. But I never create dinosaurs in my life, so maybe this would be a nice, uh, you know, uh, exit. Uh, I mean, do, doing something completely different, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, someone told me that uh, chicken are um, are coming from dinosaurs. Does, <laughs> does that? Yeah, yeah. Bill? But, okay. Yeah, the, the chicken has a really resembled the T Rex. You know, the, yeah. the physiology. They have this small hands, you know, <laughs> chicken wings. <laughs> All right. So the last question, but not the least, if you could have a superpower. What would that be? Ooh, good, good question. No, I mean, uh, I don't have a direct answer for that. I mean, I I've seen a lot of super hero movies, you know, and it, you know, especially one called Heroes, where you see all different aspects of a superhero where you can travel time, and I think maybe healing power would be the with I prefer because then it means you you cannot die, <laughs> you can actually. Uh, just like we live forever um, but then of course that also comes with a cost that you kind of have to suffer and see your your beloved one die before you right so it's it's uh yeah, it's not a, it's not an easy question uh easy answer i can give you yeah uh, okay i love that actually i love the um, the the sentence that you said about healing um, healing power that's, uh, yeah. I think you are the first one on this po- on this uh, podcast that uh, that comes up with uh, with this. So congratulations! <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Mario, thank you so thank much. You.
thank you so much for uh, for your time and I really appreciate the fact that you came and uh, shared your thoughts very valuable stuff I will uh, definitely put everything below and um, in the show notes and uh, again thank you for uh, for taking the time yeah I'm uh, really happy that you invited me over and uh, thank you so much for your time as well and uh, appreciate the, the, the gesture and uh, hopefully more people will be interested in this field yes yes thank you i'll see you soon man yeah see you soon thank you have a nice day ciao